always know when my friend Andy Bargo makes an introduction that the conversation is going to be insightful and funny and thoughtful. And today is no exception. I have on Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. This episode features Neethal Parekh. Neethal, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. It's been so great to connect with you, and I'm um, just delighted to be on your podcast. Well, we had such a good conversation a couple weeks ago, and I just, there's there's this warmth that you exude, and I knew that our listeners would just get so much out of just hearing your voice and your insight. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to dive right in. Great. And I feel the same way too. I feel like we had a really, uh, a really warm and we had never met each other, but it had such a warm, positive conversation. So I'm really, yeah, I'm glad that we get to talk again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Any excuse, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I always begin the conversation asking my guests to share something about themselves that most people might not know about them. And it gives our listeners some context for what they're going to hear over the next 30 minutes or so. Um, So have you considered that question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, One thing that I think helps understand a lot of other things is that um, I moved a lot growing up. So my dad's a civil engineer. So we moved maybe 20 times in my, like before I turned 20 even, you know. Um, And so, yeah, so like all around the U.S., um, a little bit internationally, but was often the new kid in school and, uh, you know, just had that life experience of moving um, every one to two years, sometimes more, sometimes fewer, but yeah, that's something. (laughs) Wow. I thought I had a lot, um, but you definitely have even more moves than I have under my belt. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing when you think about all those moves, what is one disadvantage that you think you've had as a result of that? Yeah, you know, my sister and I talk about this a lot. I think one thing is um, is that we are very adaptable. Like I feel like I can go into a situation and adapt, and that's that's in a, in itself looks like a strength. But sometimes when we're like building our own businesses or trying to tell our stories or trying to kind of put roots down, we still kind of default to that. Like, oh, I can adapt to what's coming to me, but no, no, I have to actually forge the way I have to decide. I can't just adapt to what is, you know, what is new. So I think some of that is, um, can be a little bit challenging to actually say, okay, this is the path that I want to go or how I want to, you know, steer this versus adapt to whatever is, is happening. Oh, that makes so much sense. I mean, it comes back to the, the adaptability talent in StrengthsFinder that some, sometimes it feels like we are too agreeable because we switch gears so easily. And I know with my adaptability talent, I have a tendency to give up a little too soon on stuff, whether it's for myself or if I feel like I want to do something and and somebody else doesn't really want to do it. I'm Sometimes I do come across as a little too agreeable. So Mm -hmm. I never would have put that together, but that that makes so much sense. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that said, tell me in story form, about a client that you've worked with so that people can understand. So our listeners understand what you do without you actually telling us. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, Yes. So there's a wonderful university in um, Southern California um, called Soka University. And um, I got connected to one of the um, kind of programs to kind of program director there who really um, sees in her students that they are, because it's a liberal arts college that is now building more and more on the tech and um, science side, but she could see in many of her students that they have like a business and problem-solving mindset. 
but there weren't really outlets for them to explore that in, in, a, in an academic form. This was years ago. Now they have added more. So when she learned about my work, she said, we would love to have you come speak or do something um, to kind of help our students develop and cultivate that problem-solving mindset. And so, you know, fast forward and next month, we're going to do like our sixth or seventh Impactathon event where we'll get the students together. Um, they will get to form teams and think about a social impact idea and a business model that they could attach to that or create with that. And they will have, um, you know, a couple of days to come up with a slide deck, like in a, in a pitch, like kind of like a shock tank pitch, um, and then pitch it to judges. And so even if they've never thought of themselves as an entrepreneur or ever seen themselves in that light, after two days, they would literally have gone through a little cycle of having an idea, building something, pitching something and seeing how that feels to them and their team. So and working with the team in a way that is um, high pressure, but with um, the support and camaraderie that you need exactly, to be successful. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I wish I had seen something like that when I was in business school. Me too. Or I, even in, in, in high school or college, I would have just really enjoyed that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, me too. And I, I think a lot about my college experience and I got a lot out of it. I went to Colorado State University in Fort Collins and it took me five years because I changed majors so many times. But I was just talking about this with our younger son, who is a junior at the University of Montana in Missoula, that um, I remember graduating and not actually knowing what work looked like. Mm-hmm. And I had I had always worked. I was um, a babysitter. I worked in hand bindery in a printing plant when my dad was the vice president of that, which is hard hard work, very manual labor. Um, and I worked in restaurants for years. And then um, I even did a couple of business documents for companies that wanted to get business loans, and so they needed strategic documents. And I did a couple of those my senior year, just as part of my business degree and and with side hustle because I needed the cash. But I didn't really understand what work looked like. And I I think I was, um, I don't know, kind of disappointed. I had a paid internship in Washington, D.C., and I was so excited to move and start it. And after spending hours and hours behind a computer analyzing data, I was thinking, what have I done? (laughs) <laughs> this is maybe this was a mistake. I mean, all those years and all that money in my business degree, and this is what work is going to look like. So I love that you did that with the students. So when you imagine your most recent impactathon, what is a an image, a visual that comes to your mind? I love that energy, and it's a little bit of frenzied energy, but I love it. I love going to hackathons when they kind of realize this pitch is happening, whether like they're ready for it or it's happening. And then suddenly groups start huddling. They're like, well, how can we do more? Can we go to this? You know, they're planning, okay, the, the workshops end at, you know, whatever, five or six, we're going to go meet at this other eatery and like, or, you know, meet in this person's dorm and keep working and you do this part. I'll do this part. Okay. You know, that energy where I feel like because there's a deadline, because literally, you know, you're pitching and all of the other people in the room are going to pitch it activates and ignites and like opens up something that I don't, I think you need to push to get towards. I don't think it just happens, you know, and it's a little bit of that um, because some, I think sometimes our really great ideas come from that place too, because 
the innovation because it's just because it's necessary. You you have to now you have this constraint of time and of all the things you have to do. So I um, I love that. I love to if I could just hang out and be with them until midnight, like you know, as they're doing things and just kind of walk around. I would because that energy is very. It's I don't know. It's very really fulfilling wall. to me too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and seeing them get excited and nervous mm-hmm. and knowing what it's building inside yeah. them. So is there a particular team that you remember kind of watching that energy build up? Yeah, well, there was, um, you know, last year when we did this um, Impactathon at Soka University, it was, we were still doing it in a hybrid form. So it was very unique. This year's will be a little bit hybrid, but more kind of in person, a little bit more regular. But last year, I basically sat in a conference room with a green screen on campus and they, they all the workshops, they went back to their dorms and they, and they um, connected online. But we had office hours. And so I remember walking around outdoors and there was a group of three women um, who actually ended up winning an award. Um, but they were just out there. They were thinking about, um, they were, you know, from different parts of the country, but from South Asia, um, I mean, different parts of the world, but a couple of them are first time at South Asia and talking about menstruation and how they would make that more, um, like kind of provide more resources and talking about a topic that I don't think I would have talked about when I was their age, but doing it so boldly and trying to say, hey, there's a, you know, girls are out of school when they go through their period. And, um, and it's, there's a lot of, um, there's not a lot of knowledge about that. And how, what can we do? How can we push the envelope and really make a difference? And I just, I, I was so like proud and just, just kind of thinking like in one generation, it's great to see that change happening. And now I feel like young people will talk about everything. And I love that, like whether it's mental health, you know, physical health. And I think we need to remove those taboos of what we talk about to, in order to make the change. And so I, 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 I was kind of, it was, it was really hot. I was really happy to see that and also just sit down and, and ideate with them and kind of challenge them a little bit. Okay. So this is what you want to do. Well, you know, how can we get there or what are the challenges that you'll face? You know? So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. I got a little chill on that <laughs> because I was just talking to Lisa Lackey, who was a guest on my podcast a few weeks ago um, about something there. There's a whole uh, event going on in Australia or it was a couple of weeks ago about period poverty. And so hearing that these young women are on that issue and paying attention to it, and you're right, just the the difference in a couple generations between hiding it and being embarrassed by it to talking about it on a college campus, because it's such a natural thing. I always wondered why people were so embarrassed by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I'm I was sitting right there with you on the campus good (laughs) on the grass listening to their conversation that's good I'm glad such a that's what I was hoping for that's what I was imagining when you said that you were thinking about that energy Mm -hmm. yeah it was a really specific moment in time where you could just describe Mm -hmm. it so I could sit there with you Mm -hmm. yeah now we both have the memory we were both there so I love exactly (laughs) so what's what was the award um I they may have gotten best overall or most likely to make impact, but they had um, a really like, uh, like even, even their, um, their design, I think they had a graphic designer um, on their team, but the way they showed the product and their um, logo was just really beautiful. And even their um, kind of their um, wireframes of what this would look like. Mm -hmm. um, It was really great. And, and I think they had a wonderful plan about like creating these boxes and 
in distributing them that were both had um, supplies, but also education to remove stigma. So they were really looking at in some cultures, there's still a lot of stigma in certain areas. So kind of mm-hmm. addressing both and how can you create something that actually delivers a product, but actually also delivers some education, you know, um, mm-hmm. through that awareness. That really awareness. Oh, I love that. Have you um, seen Thinks, T-H-I-N-X? Yes, the the, the product. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I know that they donate a lot of their products uh, around the world. And that's why I started buying their their products mm-hmm. was because yeah. I knew that for every pair or three that I bought, whether it was for me or for my sister, or for somebody else, that they would be giving away a pair yeah. to yeah. a woman who was struggling with that. Yeah, we're going down this uh, rabbit hole. But I, I will say, I think now that you have more founders that are diverse and so many different kinds of solutions for um, like just mm-hmm. periods are, are coming up. And I just think it's incredible. Like there's so many more solutions than when when I was, you know, when I was younger. Right. And I think now you can go so many different paths on this. And I feel like some of them are also looking at what's most sustainable, um, you know, you know, what is best for the environment? What is the easiest to get, you know, or, or across to the last mile? And, to right. Yeah. So depending on what your kind of variables are, you, there's a different product. But the great thing is there's, there is a different product. Like it's right. out there now. You know? And I <laughs> love this. And I hadn't thought about it this way, but you're so right that it has taken this um, diversity of thought and access. I mean, a huge difference is the access that we have now to talk about these things and solve these real problems. Mm-hmm. And that would never have happened if we just kept the the status quo of founders and inventors as these um, particular, all all very homogenous group of people. And you wouldn't have this opportunity for um, not just global impact, but for for women and people of color and just the non-traditional founders and inventors to get investment money and to solve these great problems and to build companies around it, which increases income for people and jobs. Like we see so much about jobs coming, you know, not enough jobs or too many jobs or whatever. And now you have this very creative way of doing this. Oh, that's so cool. I hadn't even, I hadn't started to put that together yet. So Mm -hmm. thank you. So um, when you think about your work, I, I know that's not all you do, the Impactathon. So what's another thing when you think about your adaptability mm-hmm. that, yes, that's, you, that's did yeah, that, that I, you did stick with? Yeah, that you did stick with, that you realized, um, okay, this is this is something I need to stick with. Yeah. But where were you going with it? If you were going somewhere else, we oh, could oh, yeah, I, I think they're, 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 <laughs> our dots kind of connect, but... Um, but uh, another tangent, but it is one that that is one that I've kind of stuck with is somehow connecting to writing. I think I've always, I don't know, since I was young, have connected to like, I love writing. Like I, even if it's for myself or just, it's a way that I work through. If I'm going through something, I will just write for a while. And so, you know, it was a dream of mine at one point to write a book. So I, I it took a long time, but I, I wrote a book called 51 Questions on Social Entrepreneurship, which is a nonfiction book in, as such, there's, but there's a fictional overlay of these characters that meet at an event called Impactathon. And then you kind of get to know from their lens and how they build a company and everything. So there's kind of couched in a story, but kind of lending to the adaptability lens, you know, now um, I have nephews that are now five and eight and I've known them and seen them since they were born and seen how, what a natural problem solving um, kind of muscle young, young people have really young learners on one side and on the other side, 
all of the news that we think just affects us actually impacts them too. So, you know, and I, I feel like we do have a lot of big things coming down the pipeline um, that, that uh, even in the most optimistic way are going to be challenges, whether it's water or climate change or migration. And, and so I kind of thought we'd have impactathons and I have this book, those are all for kind of adult or, you know, um, but what do we have for these really young learners who are naturally, hey, I can solve this, who learned how to go from like, you know, not moving to moving in some way or walking, which I think itself is a huge innovation or mm -hmm. learning how to speak or communicate. Um, and so I was working on this. First, the idea was to create an impactathon event for young learners. And I was part of this really cool um, fellowship to do that. But then COVID happened. And I just couldn't imagine doing it like this on zoom yeah not with littles if not with not with littles yeah I think mm -hmm. you would miss something so then that turned into a book series so that's the other kind of big focus of mine um, especially over the next year is I've been working with an illustrator and coming up with this book series with these friends like they're the pineapple friends and they're all animals um, so the first book is Ali Alpaca Ask Questions and it's all about you know how do you ask questions to start understanding what a root cause of something is versus you know, a symptom and it's very simply done, you know, but, um, but, but that I think this was something where I didn't think children's books were on my radar, but I think with that adaptability lens and seeing, Hey, there seems to be something that could be helpful here, especially, and maybe we're not, we won't use the word social entrepreneurship. That's even hard enough for adults to understand or and it's, it's not very easy on, you know, to say, but we can kind of introduce problem solving and we can kind of empower that natural ability that young people have. And most likely they'll probably hopefully be reading this with their older siblings or parents or teachers. Um, and so they they can ask questions and maybe, you know, work through some things of their own. Um, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. kind of another area of focus, but it's new. I'm, <laughs> it's humbling to be new in this children's book, you know, world. funny. <laughs> Anything new can be humbling. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you're doing this. I keep thinking about the issues of critical thinking and how, how hard that is to teach in a, a typical academic environment. And that's what you're doing with this series is problem solving, critical thinking. I, I can imagine that it will also lead to um, more understanding of media and finding resources that are accurate and being just info savvy because yeah. they're going to be asking the right questions, which mm. that that is what leads us to the being information savvy. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, you write this and you have this idea of how this will be in the world, but then it's, you just let it go. Like we do with any of our children, like with any of our, any content. Started, any, any, yeah, any, absolutely. We started or created, we, we let it go and it's no longer, we cannot control how, how it will be out there, but I hope it's, however it's out there. I hope it's, it will be useful when it's out there. So. Oh my gosh, you just spoke my language in such a big way. Being able to put that content out there and let it be taken for whatever it needs to be taken for by the audience who's reading it or or seeing it or hearing it. And I remember first starting my podcast and when I was blogging, especially on LinkedIn and on my website, I would get comments and people would share it and I would have some feedback. But with the podcast, I just wasn't getting any of that. So I had to be able to let that go and just enjoy the conversations I was having and hope that people would get out of it something, even if it wasn't what I intended for them to get out of it. Oh my gosh. Yes. So has that happened with 
a piece of content of yours where you put it out there and then you heard back from somebody that they took it a completely different direction and loved it? Yeah. Um, there's been a few. Like there was one blog post. I also started out blogging, you know, with Innovate Social started out as a blog. Mm-hmm. So there was, and sometimes you just never know. I wonder if you feel like this. You never know with content. Sometimes you, you spend so much time on something and you, I don't know, the reaction is, it's maybe a little Lackluster. <laughs> Lackluster. Right. Kind of flops. And, uh, yeah. And then one was like a listing, because um, I was having a hard time finding a list of different incubator programs, accelerators, and, you know, internship opportunities. So just created this list. And then like years later at an Impactathon, I ran into someone and and they're like, and I was like, Innovate Social, like, oh, Innovate Social, did, did you guys write a blog post about this list? I was like, I, they are like, I actually got an internship from that or something like that. And I was like, whoa, like, and I would never <sighs> have known that, like, because, you know, they, again, you probably wouldn't, they wouldn't write to me or something, but, um, and they're like, yeah, you know, that they kind of knew about that. And maybe the community knew about that. And then I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible. And I literally wouldn't know. And I, I wonder if you feel like this too, you have to, um, you literally have to learn how to surrender, like, because you will never, sometimes we probably, will, you'll never know, and I hate to say this to you, Sarah, you'll never know that the thousands of people that are listening or whatever, you'll never be able to know all of them because they, right. we don't have no way to know, but there are all these people that are listening to your voice or, you know, hearing something you said, and it may impact the way they, they you know, go about their day or go about their life. And um, so I think it is a humbling thing to be a content creator, especially now on TikTok and where millions of people can just quickly scroll through your 30 second, you know, video, but you'll, as a creator, you would never know if and how it impacted people. So it's interesting. Yes, uh, that definitely resonates with me. And um, I always encourage people to reach out to the people that have impact on them. So for instance, when I read Bob Berg, I forget his co-author's name, but The Go-Giver, when I read that and I, I, I had been introduced to him by one of my friends on LinkedIn. And after I read his book, I reached out to him and asked to interview him on my podcast because it had an impact. And I think LinkedIn has kind of leveled the playing field in that way. So I'm on this conversation, podcast listeners, I'm encouraging you that if you read something on LinkedIn or an article that has an impact on you, it actually changes the way you thought about something or improves a relationship you have with somebody that you were struggling with, write them a note, let them know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really does make a difference for those content creators, especially when like I, I did a podcast episode a few years ago um, on uh, authenticity, and I remember getting a comment that took it in a totally different direction that was really valuable for me to hear because that is not at all how I wrote it or at all how I was thinking about it. So listeners, take that moment, acknowledge the those individual contributors that are making a difference. Mm-hmm. That's good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I was going to put the question to you, but you had a beautiful story, but I'm curious if there's other stories because you, you're so thoughtful and intentional in the way that you use your words, both in writing and speaking. So I wonder if there's also been other like stories that have surprised you or, you know, kind of also validated that we're out there doing this. You know? Oh, so many. I was just telling somebody the other day that um, it was a local person here in Helena, Montana, which is a tiny city in a, a state with not many, not very many people. And uh, somebody had said, a, a friend that I'd known for a long time, but we weren't close. We didn't spend a lot of time together. She said, oh my gosh, that episode with 
I can't remember. It might've been Lisa Lackey. Uh, oh my gosh, that episode really resonated with me. Thanks for sharing it. Uh, I was just catching up. I hadn't, I hadn't been listening for a few weeks. And so it was great for me to catch up and hear that one. And I just looked at her. I said, I didn't even know anyone in my town was listening to my podcast because <laughs> I don't hear that at all. And so to hear it from her was really uh, helpful because I, you know, after 250 episodes, you start to wonder if it's worth it. And honestly, Nithal, Nithal I want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I keep doing it is because I meet people like you. Yeah. And I think I have this excuse and opportunity to meet with people I never would have met with and to ask them pretty intimate questions about their stories. And honestly, as much as I love people listening to these, because I know they can get insights and thoughts about it, it's really just my opportunity to get to know people. That's great. Yeah. I, well, you're inspiring me. I've, <laughs> I've done a podcast and kind of put it, and it, it's a lot of work. So I love that you've done 250 episodes and I want the listeners and who've never done a podcast to know that's no joke. Because there's all these behind the scenes things that go into podcasts and syndicating and getting it out there and uh, editing all these things. So I feel like um, sometimes I get, I go through cycles where I get a little bit overwhelmed by some of those production pieces. Um, you know, um, but I, I agree with you that there's not, there's something so fulfilling. And especially when we're in the conversation, like when you're in the conversation, that the transformation happens in the conversation too, you know, um, that's really special. So um, I'm, I love it. 200 episodes. Well, you're like a local celebrity now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's only. Cafe, you, yeah, you, you should have your name on one of the, like, you know, on one of the chairs, you know, that would be hilarious. <laughs> it is a small town. So Nithal, when you think about your podcast and, um, a moment when you learned something about yourself as you were interviewing somebody else. Cause I do that with all of my client conversations mm-hmm. with strengths finder. I always learn something about myself when I'm having these great conversations with my clients. Mm-hmm. So what is an experience you had that was like, Oh my gosh, big aha moment when you were either recording a podcast or working with a client. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we you know with the podcast um, it's called the impact podcast and then over COVID, my sister and I always had this idea of doing a podcast. So we called, we did one called the Sister Talk Podcast. And I just did it like as a series on the same feed of the Impact Podcast. So if you look it up, you'll see. Um, and my sister and I would joke that we talk all the time. My mom would be like, I don't understand what you guys talk about all the time. Like, and I don't know, we just don't run out of things to talk about. So we were like, we should see, uh, and we, you know, we uh, we lost our mom 16 years ago to, to uterine cancer. That's probably impacted a lot of um the drive for entrepreneurship or like going for the things that are in our mind rather than kind of waiting on them. But, you know, I've, um, I've realized that not everyone has a sister or has, it feels so warm and like, like the way that it feels my sister. So I feel like one of the big things you wanted to do with that was create this place where like, you feel like you're with us chatting with us. And it's just this funny, open conversation, but we can talk about everything. And so it has been great to talk about entrepreneurship or even grief, like to have all those channels open because I feel like I get the most from podcasts when there's a lot of, when there's vulnerability, it's safe. It's a safe place to be vulnerable. And it's, you know, it's safe between the hosts or whatever, but, um, but, but yeah. And so, so I feel like in sometimes in that conversation, we both have discovered things about ourselves and each other. And we, again, we talk all the time, but I think there's something about being on air a little bit 
that you're on air and you know that this will be listened to, um, that maybe you also come up with your, like you kind of, like not with your best, but you kind of pull something out of the bag a little bit, you know, that maybe was like, I don't know, was under the surface. So I, one of the things that came out of, of, of one of our conversations um, over COVID was um, I love Google. Like I, I love like Google Drive and like I'm a master user. And so I think I, I was very passionate about that. I wanted, we were talking about little uh, about tools. And I, I think people since then who have heard that that series are like, oh yeah, and we, and we know that you love you love all these Google. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't realize it came out so much. But I just think if you're collaborating and you're on a Google Doc, there's nothing more collaborative. Even if we were sitting next to each other, passing a paper back and forth, it is not as collaborative collaborative as being both on a Google Doc and like typing something in. And I was like, like nobody has another, like there's no better solution. Like, you know, like, you know, I just feel like it's- That's awesome. I never solution. thought about it that way. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so maybe that's one thing that um, we can also- Sometimes by saying something out loud, we we thought in our mind that we had an opinion on it, but by like voicing it, we we can realize the strength of that opinion, or you know, like kind of like you know the scale of that opinion, or or, or whatever. And some of that comes out in conversation. Isn't that funny? We don't realize how we're being perceived until somebody <laughs> says, "Oh, I heard you on that podcast," and <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I was that passionate about it." on the podcast because you just yeah. you're not hearing your own voice exactly <laughs> oh that's so funny i i love those moments those aha mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah. oh my gosh when somebody sees something in you that you didn't see yourself yeah yeah absolutely i love those and sometimes they're quiet moments that i probably don't even remember but it can just be like in a silence that you uh, um today i just had a call with um with someone and she was saying um that in her company, um, in, in she might be part of the community of women founders um, that are, we're trying to, um, with some of the consulting work I'm doing with She Raises Capital, it's the idea is to zero the um, the funding gap for women-led startups. So, um, so I was talking to this founder about inviting her to be in the community. And she, um, and she had this thing. She said that we, she's like, I've been part of startups and I've done this and I've pivoted before and it doesn't always work. But she said, this time I pivoted and overnight, Meeple, she said, we had like hundreds of new users and she's like, right away. And I said, it was, she's like, it was so easy. I, I always thought it had to be hard, but it was so natural. And I, think I I told her, I was like, I think you just changed my whole day today because sometimes we do think, oh, if we want to be more successful, we have to like, has to be work, we have to work harder, we have to do, but sometimes it's just, she's like, I just realized I was marketing I was creating the wrong thing for the wrong audience. Like, you know, um, and she said, it was just so simple. And a little tweak, little tweak. And so I was like, you know, I was like, I told her, I was like, this makes me want to pivot a hundred more times because to get that validation, because sometimes you pivot in something you're doing and you're like, I I don't know, did it work? I mean, I don't know, it kind of worked. I don't know. But to have something and be like, boom, that was exactly, that's exactly the way you needed to pivot, you know? So I think when she said, I was like, I don't know that I've had that clarity in the pivots I've done. So I was like, maybe it's not an, it's an invitation to go back to the drawing board is what I thought to myself. And it was just in the silence. I was just listening to her, but I was like, I think you just changed my whole day today. <laughs> you know? That's brilliant. And it, it may pivot you multiple times in the yeah. future, just having her voice in your head after mm-hmm. hearing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That gives me all kinds of ideas yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Just because I'm thinking, you know, you're right. You, it's not always work harder. And it's not even work smarter necessarily. I think it's more work with your intuition and work within your strengths and your magic. And when you can combine those, that's when the real 
thing happens. That's when the floodgates open. Yeah. It's when you work within your, your strengths and magic mm-hmm. and take that step back and trust your intuition. I love that you work with Strengths Finder because I found that to be so valuable. Um, and I wonder if you find that when people really know and kind of own their strengths, if they actually naturally attract the compliments to their strengths, but but sometimes when you don't know your strength, we're trying to improve our weaknesses, but maybe then we we will attract people who are trying to improve their weaknesses. So we're not really standing in our strengths. I wonder if you've kind of seen that with some of your clients or people we worked with, like that when we really own that strength, that it actually draws us to the people who can help make it happen because they, they, they occupy. Complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. And your blind spots. Absolutely. It, it's, it has to be conscious though. And what I find is that when I am really within my strengths and I understand where my blind spots are and I surround myself with the people, the resources, the tools that I need so that I can feed my talents and not try to be somebody who focuses, for instance, that's way down at the bottom of my list, um, then absolutely, I've seen teams really thrive and innovate when they intentionally not just surround themselves with those complementary talents, but value them and understand what they bring to the table, as opposed to just ticking the box. I have people with executing and influencing relationship building, strategic Mm -hmm. thinking domain on my team. Yes, but are you feeding their talents? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really it has to be an intentional process. Yeah. And that's hard, I find, because so many of us want to be all things and we don't understand the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. So um, for instance, um at one of the no longer virtual conferences, it was uh 2018 in Denver, a guy named Ben Walker, who owns a multi-million transcription agency, he said if you started your business because you're really good at A, you're really passionate about A, and you're spending time on B, C, and D, you are leaving money on the table. Mm-hmm. So uh, as soon as I hired a bookkeeper to take care of that aspect of my business, my income went up significantly more than I needed to pay for that bookkeeper because I was working within my strengths and she mm-hmm. was working within her strengths. I love that. That, that gives me goosebumps. I love that because yeah. it was so simple. It was the thing that you wanted to do anyway. You didn't exactly. want to do the bookkeeping. And, oh, and, God, no. Yeah, and I'm the same. <laughs> I'm the same. So, but, you know, maybe you thought, oh, I should, I should learn this. But when you just gave that to someone who probably loves bookkeeping, you know. She's um, so good at it. So good at it and loves it. And maybe that's her strength. Like you almost got to celebrate each of your strengths and focus on more, asking more for what our strength than rather than asking for more of, something that's not our strength. So exactly. I, I, yeah, again, I feel like this is another transformable. It's going to shift my day or week, but I think there are, there are aspects of my work and my day that I can, um, that this completely, that maybe I haven't um, fully had the courage to, you know, either find delegate source or, give or surrender. Or surrender. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But it's, I think you're right. If it's leaving something, what if we could be doing more of the thing that we want, you know? So. Exactly. Yeah. I love that you, kicked off that part of the conversation. That was such a good question. So thoughtful. So as we kind of come full circle and and wrap back, I would love to know, um, I I know you do Impactathon and I know you're working with executive women, particularly in your client work. Tell me about a recent time that you were working with somebody or a team that you walked away going, yes, 
Well, you know, we, um, we recently, well, some impactathons ago, it was a unique impactathon. It was one with the, with the, um, uh, it was internal to a nonprofit organization. And they had, um, they basically had some, they loved their work and it was very mission driven and, and, you know, um, you know, passion focused and, you know, all of that, but there were some systems levels issues internally. And so they, they decided to do an impactathon and it was great to come in. And, and for that one, we didn't have external judges or anything. We had one person come out just to listen to the, but it was really internal. And so what was really amazing is by having me as the only external person uh, facilitating the impactathon, like, I could kind of witness these team members who obviously care so much about their work, but said, but be find ways to voice, Hey, this isn't working well. We're not, it's, it's not, it's not helping our organization move forward because you know what I was thinking, Sarah, is those people exist in every organization and the way that they show that they believe that is they just leave. Right. Because there wasn't an internal mechanism for them to say, I really care about my team and my work, but this aspect is it it doesn't it doesn't make me feel empowered or it it's not it's it it's not kind of helping the end goal. So to be able to see people have a voice and it be kind of facilitated because it's it's hard to just do that with your boss or something. Or, right. You know, uh, yeah. Almost you impossible. Know, almost, mm-hmm. you know, but, and then because we were kind of doing it in this little, not gamified, but, you know, there was a pitch and there was a, you know, create a solution that, I don't know, I just feel by the end of that day, you could just feel this like exhale kind of happen where people could say the thing that they probably are telling each other, you know, over coffee. Um, they're maybe friends or colleagues or, you know, partners at home, but they, the, the people that needed the place where it probably needed to be heard, they felt like they couldn't bring that there. So, um, so, so that was something really special. Um, And, and I, I thought it was really courageous for both the organization and all the individuals to do that. And I, in, you know, and and it makes me think, yeah, what, what happens when we have more of those conversations, you know, you know, do we, um, you know, do we get to places and sometimes, sometimes, you know, those I'm sure Monday morning may have been a little awkward because, you know, you've said all (laughs) these things and it might take a while for those changes to happen, but I think you just do it more. You don't do it less. So it becomes less awkward rather than saying, oh, we're never going to do that again because it's kind of awkward on Monday morning to run in people who said that this wasn't working. But right. I think the, the the solve is that you just do it more. You know? Right. Well, and that's the question is how do you sustain that learning? I have the same questions come up a lot with StrengthsFinder. You know, I do one-to-ones with all the employees. Then we do the workshop. And then I do some follow-up emails and maybe a follow-up workshop. But how do we sustain the learning and the shift in culture so that we are complementing each other in terms of our strengths and talents and care about each other and feeding those talents? So that's the hard part, but you're right. You just have to keep talking. You have to keep that line of communication open. It just made me think that uh, maybe it's time for an impact-a-thon for a few of those very well-meaning nonprofit organizations that have really crappy internal dynamics, but their, their impact is so critical. And Mm -hmm. the people love the, the reason they're there. But again, like you said, it's just not working for them in some ways, because they don't have proper procedures or Mm -hmm. the, the people are um, promoted to their level of incompetence because they were good at one job. And so they come into a level of supervision that they're not prepared to take on. Mm -hmm. And so people leave because they, 
don't work well with their boss. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, maybe it's impactathon for a few of the nonprofits yeah, that, yeah. that we know are doing good work, really important yeah. work. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. I'm thinking, oh, I know exactly who to introduce you to for that. <laughs> yeah. And then the good thing is, by the time someone approaches me that at the highest level, they're open to this, right? Because, exactly. you, you know, so I think that that also helps. I, I should give everyone on the team, hopefully like that they should feel open because someone agreed to do this. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. If the leadership said, I'm yeah. into this, this is important yes. because the success of my organization is going to depend on this and not having the ridiculously expensive turnover that we're having. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're right. <laughs> it's pretty rare for them to say, I need help. <laughs> help sure, come and tell me what we're doing wrong. <laughs> I know. Oh, I have a hard time with that. And, <laughs> and I'm pretty open to it. So yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is a perfect way to wrap this up. Nithal, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. And for our listeners, how do they find out more about the Impactathon, about your books? Um, when will your new children's books be coming out? And um, and just so our listeners know, this will all be in the show notes associated with the podcast at elkinsconsulting.com. But in Nithal's words. Yes. Well, um, first of all, thank you, Sarah. I have loved every every interaction with you. And um, I'm hoping I make it to one of the conferences soon, maybe even the one coming up. I just, um, yes. I can only imagine if you are the convener of this, that the kinds of people that you attract and that will be there would be amazing to connect with. So thank you so much. And, and yeah, um, um, uh, if anyone wants to learn more about the work, um, the website you can go to is Innovate Social, and that has an eight. So it's I-N-N-O-V, the number eight, S-O-C-I-L.com. Um, and that's on all the social media. That's the handle on all the social media as well on Instagram. And and um, and there's if you also want to learn more about Impactathon in particular, you can go to impactathon.co. And um, right now, the book that's out already, 51 Questions, you can just go to 51questions.com. And there, will, well, I'm sure that if you just, when we have more information about the new books, we will just post it there um, or on the website. But um, but yeah, this is really wonderful. And if there's, um, if anyone else is passionate about bringing social innovation and social entrepreneurship to their community, you know, feel free to reach out and we can, we can put our heads together and see what we can do. That sounds great. And I'm going to, aim for an invitation to Helena, Montana. I mean, although I'd, I'd like to meet you in Chicago first and then, yes. and then we'll have you as a guest in Montana. <laughs> That's be great. great. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah.